Well, hello there. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from beautiful and sunny and certainly looks to be warm. I got to go out there today. I've I've just been taking it so easy since my procedure. I know I'm You know what? I think I'm really kind of milking it now. I got to start moving on. I'm done with it. I got the bandages off um you know, off the areas where uh they came through the veins in the arm, and I feel as if I'm getting, they cleared a blockage. Supposedly, the doctor told me that was uh, an old one, and the only, well, the only 100% inclusion I had, and <clears throat> I don't know if it's psychosomatic. I don't know if it's um, actually a physical manifestation of clearing the art. art you know, the art, artery itself, increasing the blood flow to the heart. But I do feel as if I have more energy. And I don't feel anxious, so it's not like one of those anxiety energy things. It's actually just physical energy. I, I feel as if I have more. And that could be, I guess that could be psychosomatic, right? The placebo effect. When they tell you, oh, he's cleared, you got more blood flowing to the... But they didn't actually say that. And the doctor never suggested that I'd have more energy. But I feel as if I do. And uh, one of the fortunate things of having done this podcast and having made a decision, what was it about, 10 years ago to start creating these little side businesses I started, one of them being the podcast a little over six years ago, going on seven years, was I made a, a decision to have a presence in social media. And it started first with Facebook. I do Instagram and Twitter. And um, even though it's not social media, a podcast, you know, bear, I bared my soul uh, for 700 and this is 752. And you count other episodes, that, you know, that unlabeled episodes, it could be over 850 or something like that. And being prolific, I understand, doesn't mean isn't the same as being good. And I'm hoping that there's diamonds in the rough there. But if you're not familiar with the Keys Bartender Podcast, it's a podcast about bartending and life in general. I'll get back to talking about life again. But I just wanted to give you a little rundown of that. You know, we had uh, a busy last uh, week and a half. And I'm in a quick recovery mode right now. Just as mainly to get the healing uh, done in the uh, in the veins they went through to do the blockage, but I'm I'm feeling good. I've been I haven't been away from working out for a long time, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm feeling fit, and um, I'm thinking about bartending. Got to go back to doing that. And one of the things about bartending, there's always people conflate knowing the most drinks anybody can have. You know, there's bartenders that are like trivia. They know the drinks. They know the, the all the variations and things like that. Well, there's all different criteria for judging bartenders. But generally, the one I like to... I don't mean to see. I'm not super judgy because obviously if you're working in a very high-end place, and I said this before, you have to be particular if they're charging a lot for the cocktails. You want them to be very particular, right? I mean, you want them to be particular anyway when you're making whatever drink you want for them. But 
yeah, the more money you spend, the more time you want to spend with them. Obviously, you go to a place where it's high volume and you got to crank out the drinks. Speed is important. Speed, you know, precision, precision is always important. But you have to have a modicum of speed in order to put create an output so people are getting their drinks in a timely fashion. And that's what I'm talking about today. And part of that is having the ability to recall drinks when they come up without having to stop and look in a book or look on your phone, right? You can use AI to tell you what's in a drink. But then again, nowadays, there's like 20 different different ways of making a drink called Sex on the Beach. You know, I they I don't recall the drink I was making in 1986 as the same drink that they're making now. Okay? And it's not a big, it's not one of the most popular drinks. If it was popular then, it seemed to make a little comeback now. But how do you remember all these drinks? People say, how do you do this? And blah, 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 you know, do it. Well, first of all, 95% of the drinks are not that hard. They're cold drinks. Meaning they're rum and coke. Uh, gin and tonic, gin and soda, martini, vo- well, vodka martini, dirty martini, blah, 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 blah. And there, there's basically, on a Saturday night, 90% of my drinks, I could tell you the base liquors for them. It'll be vodka, it'll be rum, and it'll be tequila. And there's all different types you make right there. Now, gin falls by the wayside, and then you have... Um, I can throw in some, the last 10, 12% will be whiskeys and scotches, right? But to have a tendency, when people drink vodka, they drink multiple vodkas, especially when they drink vodka and soda and things like that. Some drinks lend themselves to people drinking multiple ones of those. And where martinis, people have less of them. Because a martini is almost like two and a half drinks anyway. But let's start talking about how do you remember all these drinks, Think of vodka. When you do vodka, you can see you have vodka soda, vodka tonic. You got vodka, Sprite, Diet, Ginger, Coke. Yeah, believe it or not, Coke. And then you have all these juices. Pineapple, cranberry, orange, grapefruit, uh, apple, uh, grape, pomegranate. You have sour mix. And then you have all these combinations you can make with them. And alternates, you have Greyhounds, uh, Cape Cods. That's just Greyhounds salt on the rim of a vodka uh, cranberry. And then um, Cape Cod is a vodka, no, no, a vodka grapefruit. See, even I make a Greyhound is, uh, I don't know how it got to be called Greyhound because grapefruit isn't gray, but it's grapefruit with um, salt on the rim and vodka. Not that particular order, Cape Cod, vodka, cranberry, you throw a lime, right? Martini, olives, little drop, dirty martini, Gibson, Gimlet, Bay Breeze, Sea Breeze, Madras, Orange Crush, uh, hundreds of martinis and a hundred different combinations with other ones. You even have uh, where vodka is part of it. You know, vodka with liqueurs, vodka with other liquors, as in the iced tea. Long Island iced tea, Long Beach iced tea. There's hundreds and thousands of drinks. And a lot of times people will just come up and order it by its name or they'll tell you the ingredients that they want in. Like a gimlet. 
If you tell me you want a vodka gimlet, I'll assume it's up, chilled, right, in a martini glass with a lime wedge. You don't have to tell me those things. But sometimes people want to say, I want vodka chilled with lime juice. Now, if I threw a little triple sec in it, it becomes a kamikaze. Now, that's knowledge that comes along with the practice of bartending. You know about the variations and things like that. But basically, if you remember most of your drinks, if you learn how to pour that drink, how much you have to pour in the glass and how you put your mixer in, I like to do it simultaneously. Like I'll do a count pour, like a one one thousand, two one thousand count. And put the mixer in while it. And if it's a splash, you'd be like that. You know, you hear that sound when I go That's the length of the time I hit, hit the stuff. It's just a brief patter in there. Some people say even a touch of it. And if they really knew their stuff, people, when they were ordering, they just say, listen, don't even put soda in it. Can you put it just the syrup in it? And you, I can't do that. If you depress the uh, buttons on the soda gun sometimes ever so slightly, it'll only dispense, uh, dispense syrup. And once again, that comes with experience. But if you get to be pretty good at making your vodka club soda, vodka tonic, vodka orange juice, vodka cranberry, blah, 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 and you crank them out <clears throat> and you've got your scotches, scotch neat, scotch, you know, whiskey, uh, sour mash, rums, tequilas, margaritas, all those things. You just build a base of the drinks you know. Right? They'll come in every so often. About 15 years ago, down here, a Capriana. It's kind of a take on a mojito. But instead of having mint in it, it's no mint. And it's made with sugarcane vodka. And lime. And simple syrup. And that's a Capriana. It's a special Brazilian rum. You put in there. Well, I mean, I guess all. I always thought all rums or sugar cane, but they, there was a special rum used for it. But we rarely get those, you know, people asking about it. Can you, maybe once, twice a year, I get someone to ask for a drink like that. And they'll go, Ava Mojito with Kettle One, which is a vodka. They're all different things. If you're um, well-versed in it, you can always say, oh, listen, this is what I'd like. You know, someone says, I would like a godfather with scotch. And I go, wait a second. A godfather's always with scotch, so why are you even saying it? It's like saying a screwdriver with orange juice. Or peanut butter and jelly on bread. It's got to go on bread, right? I mean, you can. You can make it into, a, you put in a little, one of those uh, parfait cups if you want. But you don't need to really dissect it. And you don't really want to have to do that. So especially when you're speed bartending. And that's most of the time how people really judge a bartender. They judge them by accuracy, presentation, and speed. And part of speed is just knowing when you come up and you're hit with that golden margarita. Or um, 
Golden Cadillac or Cadillac Margarita. And it say Golden Margarita, the difference you learn later, it's made with Cointreau. And a Cadillac is made with uh, Grand Marnier. They're both kind of orange liqueurs with different variations on it. And there's skinny margaritas and all that stuff. But it comes with time. And sometimes you think, well, you, you've been bartending years. You should be able to remember. I said, well, I remember making them. But if you haven't made one in a long time, it works the same way for cooking. When you're cooking. I can practically, you know, prepare a nice spaghetti sauce from scratch, meaning using the, uh, you know, crushed tomatoes and, and basil, oregano, olive oil, salt, pepper, garlic, onion. Yeah, I can do that because I make it a lot. And I know how I'm comfortable making meatballs. But one of the things I haven't made in a long time, I haven't made a lasagna in a long time. And I have to think about that. I have to pause, take a little time. I make a lot of uh, macaroni and cheese. Not so much anymore since it's a heart issue. You know, I don't do a lot of cheese and a lot of cholesterol stuff. Just like I don't eat a lot of butter. We used to go through a shitload of butter. But when you're preparing you're most likely, it's almost like short-term memory, long-term memory. It's like your computer. There's things that just are there on the surface, easy to random access and pull it out. And that's all those drinks that are popular at the time. And then someone comes in and throws you, well, like, can you make a Harvey Wallbanger? And you go, Harvey Wallbanger? Holy shit, 1980 cold. Or 1975, actually. That's a screwdriver with Galliano. Who even has Galliano anymore? I mean... Yeah, if you have Galliano, it's probably the bottle. That, it's an old uh, bar, and it's the bottle you bought. You know, your uncle Rico uh, drank from in 1975, and it's still half full. The Galliano, because you know, it's just not one of those popular drinks now. I'm not saying no judgment on you people if you're a member of the Galliano family or whatever. It's just not. It's just not that popular drink. Same thing with liqueurs. We have tons of liqueurs, tons of liqueurs. People see it. They get intimidated when they look at the bar. And they say, oh, my God, how do you make drinks with all these liquors here? Well, first of all, they're redundant. You know, there's 15 different types of vodka. Before you get to the flavored vodkas, before you get to there's. 15 different brands, and there's maybe 30 different types of flavors you made right there. And it makes you look like, well, yeah, I can do all those. Yeah, you sound impressive. You sound really impressive. But basically, vodka is vodka. And they're going to tell you what kind of use. Same thing for rum, tequila, whiskey, scotch. Uh, there's a lot of different whiskeys. There's Irish whiskeys. There's sour mash whiskey. There's bourbon whiskey. There's scotch whiskey, Right. And now they got flavored whiskeys now. Oh my God, they're doing the same thing to, uh, to whiskeys that they're doing to. Uh, they've done the vodkas and done the rum. And not so much the gin. Not so much the gin. It's something about the juniper berry that really. I guess that, you know, the classic gin taste. Here I am. I'm heading into my fifth year sir, sober. 
I can I could smell the difference on that um, between the different liquors and stuff like that. So making these drinks and having an encyclopedic knowledge of every drink is not necessarily the same thing. You just got to know your core. You got to be thinking. And every so often, every so often, I'll get a drink that I never heard of or haven't made in years. And fortunately, with the advent of smartphones, I could just go, I'm not going to say it real loud because she's always listening, but you know, I'm saying, Surrey. She didn't light up. Okay, yeah. So, Surrey, tell me what's in a long walk on a short pier. Or, um, you know, or a bloody underwear. Well, I've just made up those drinks. I don't know if there are such a thing. But people say, well, you should know these drinks. And when someone comes in and says, you'll want to learn this drink. And I'll say to them, you know what? I'm not trying to be, you know, one of those know-it-all bartenders. But I'm saying, listen. The people will let me know if I need to learn those drinks because they'll order them. And everyone thinks their drink is so great. Listen, I came up with lots of drinks. Lots of drinks. I have two drinks that I learned from other people that are most popular that kind of stay by. Or maybe actually three. Three of them. One's the uh, peanut butter martini. I told you about that. Um, peanut butter chocolate martini. The other is a lychee pertini. And the third was told to me from Merlin tourist that came into the bar and he told me about the orange crush. I never really knew about it. You know, it was fresh squeezed oranges, orange crush martini. And you, you can make it as a drink, but you got to squeeze more oranges. So, you know, who wants to be squeezing a lot of oranges and stuff? Yeah. Tennessee, th- those three drinks have uh, legs on it, let's say. Because people reorder them. And I think in the order would be like the the peanut butter and the lychee pertini. They're in the top and then the orange crush is a little, little lower than that. But they're all pretty, pretty popular. And uh, there'll be other ones that come up and they're really, you know, they're, I'm not arguing whether they're good or not. They just, it's like a song. Do you remember the Hanson brothers? They had one hit which they overplayed back about, God, what is it, 25, 26, 27 years ago? I don't even want to talk about it, but they're gone. And you know what's a song they don't play anymore? They don't play that song. Umbop, that was it. It was a stupid song. I mean, at the time, I did nod my head to it and stuff like that, but after a while, you realize this thing's going to be a classic or isn't, just like those drinks. Just like those drinks. So if it's going to remain popular, being in front of your memory, sometimes it goes and sits in the back and say, yes, yeah, someone did ask me for that drink before, but I, I get once a year. And that's pretty much it. And no insult to your taste or anything. Some things catch on. Who knows? Just like this podcast. You know, maybe because it's not particularly good. Who knows? I think I like it. Okay, if you and if you like the podcast, I'm taking a little break here by talking, doing my own commercial. You like this podcast, go to www.keysbartender.com. That's my website. You go to Keys Bartender Gear, and 
there's a whole bunch of stuff uh, for sale there. Clothing, hats, uh, Keys bartender stuff. Not just random stuff. You know, I should get some, I should put some of my uh, restaurant t-shirts on there too. So, but if you'd like to support the show, the site's powered by Spotify, so it's a secure payment. And you can purchase yourself a nice coffee mug, wine uh, cup. It's 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 a pretty cool thing. Hats, uh, t-shirts, and things like that. So just go to www.keysbartender.com and purchase. And that stuff should be out to you in like a week and a half tops. Maybe a little longer. Who knows? At most. Sometimes it's even quicker, which I'm really surprised by. Okay, to get on that, and along the lines of memory, because of my presence in the podcast all over, it's international now, right? Oh, it's been international. So every, you know, once it's, I try to explain to people, once you're on the internet, if someone accesses something in the internet from another country, that's international. And every so often, I'll get this, uh, an email from this podcast ranking service called Chartable. Chartable, like chart house, like chart, C-H-A-R-T, Chartable. And they'll give me random listings from different countries. Like, I've gotten... Lithuania, Liechtenstein, Russia, Malaysia, Ireland, Ecuador, Andorra. Uh, recently, Vietnam and I'm, am I repeating myself? Korea and Macedonia. And it says I'm like number four in comedy improv in Macedonia. And Macedonia is a country in northern Greece. Number four. That's really kind of interesting. And I was wondering, is that iTunes in English or iTunes altogether? Am I number four? Is there uh, a group of people in Macedonia meeting at a, a bar on on Saturday afternoon and getting drunk, listening to my bartender and Key's life stories or life stories, right? Or, you know, Vietnam, you know, I don't understand. And some of them, I it kind of make sense. Like India. India came up and they said, I'm 175 in India. Which, India is a country of over a billion people. So, 175. That's pretty good. That could be a, that could be a sizable amount. I always said that the... Uh, I have no idea how many listeners I have. I can get, like, in the past year, maybe it'll say from Spotify, I'll have, like, in the past year, 60,000 listeners from Spotify. And I've been on that that service primarily. And, but I don't really know exactly how many people are listening on iTunes or because that's not my service, but supposedly they feed the demographics into it. But there's literally 20, 30 podcasting services I'm listed on. So my reach is wide, if not necessarily deep, me not deep into the population, right? But I, I realize in the United States, I have maybe 
20,000, 30,000 listeners, right? And then maybe I equal with the rest of the people around the world. That's not that many, really. That's not a ton. Uh, it's a ton compared to the new uh, podcast, but it's not, but it's still a lot of people. So I have that. And I have the social media accounts. I have maybe like a little, almost 5,000 followers on Facebook. And then I have my different pages because I have my different businesses. And I got my Instagram, I got Twitter. So randomly, I get the opportunity where someone does a search on my name, someone who knew me, and they'll come up and say, well, there's this guy in uh, Key Largo, in the Florida Keys, that does a podcast. And that's what the number one thing comes up, and they're able to backtrack and find me. So I'm getting in touch, I'm, I'm getting friends uh, getting back in touch with me. People I haven't heard from in years. High school friends, which... Um, Almost all of them. And, and it's, it's funny when you look at it retrospectively, like how many, I have a lot of friends now. Yes, I do have a lot of friends. I mean, I have, the, I have enough friends. Let's, that's not, not even right. I have enough friends to try to pay, in t- pay attention to them without being neglectful, being a neglectful friend, right? It's nice. I guess there, it would be nice to have just uh, a couple friends, but I, I can imagine as you get older, and I'm not quite there yet because you know what do you say? Sixties and no forty. I know, I hope it is. I hope it is. I don't. I don't know if that's true, but I'm working hard to, you know, stay healthy. Um, with fewer friends, I can pay you know more attention to them. I have you know, could respond and help and do this, but with a bigger wider set of friends, which I have cast the net living in a smaller town here, Key Largo, a town that's smaller than my neighborhood that I lived in, Mayfair, in Philadelphia. I have tons more friends in the Upper Keys and in in, in South Florida. And I'm not just counting the friends that are listening to the podcast, because I consider you friends too, and I appreciate you for listening. I'm talking to people I'm regularly in contact with. I'm getting a Miami call right now. Uh, I'm going to check. The, you know what? They're going to leave a message. I think they're going to be leaving a message. If this was a live show, I would think, oh, they're listening. And he said to me, want to talk to me, right? So I'll get back to them. But uh, generally, it's the old friends, the ones that haven't been contacted in 40 years or more. There's friends from high school where um, you only reconnect at the reunions. I've been to maybe three reunions. And I miss my 40th. I guess the next opportunity would be the 50th. But they do. I think they do these big group reunions. Because I went to a big high school in Philadelphia. And for these big group reunions, such a big school, you know, you, you walk into a place and you'll see people from spaced over 10 years. Now, there were 500 people in each class and 500 guys and 500 girls because we were a split school, boys and girls. So in my graduating class, there was a little over 1,000 when you take into account both. And, I, and so 
it's not like one of the schools you go to where you got like 150, 200 people in your graduating class and you get it generally, you get it, you know, most of the people from the four years you went there. And I went four years, but there were 2,000 guys there when I was there from freshman on, right? And 2,000 girls. And every year as I advanced, there was another 500, right? Coming, or another 1,000. So you really get to know maybe a tenth of that. I mean, I was acquainted. I recognized the name. And I'm sure the same goes for most people I graduated with. There's people that I graduated with that we didn't, they didn't know me and I didn't know them. I might recognize them. But then they got college friends, friends from a neighborhood in Philadelphia, uh, you know, and all the different places I lived in Maryland, New Jersey, uh, Florida. It's just, it's just hard to keep track. And as I've, you know, my birthday came up recently, right? I was thinking, man, am I losing it? Am I losing memory? Well, how much can you remember? Just like the drinks. And I had people contact me just recently because I was, what I do is kind of a, it could, some people may see it as lame and I don't blame, you can judge, you know, who, I am not telling someone how to judge somebody. But what I do is I post it on Facebook, I give them the information, you know, I had a heart attack in March and, uh, and then... They weren't sure what caused it, but they knew I had a blockage. They were just checking things out to see what they needed to go into, the cardiologist. I mean, I was trying to say, what's your feeling? Why aren't we doing this right away? Why this and that? And he, and he suggested that the blockage didn't really contribute, but it could have aggravated because of what caused the blockage to trigger the heart. You know, whatever. Whatever. There was reasoning behind it when they did it. And I'm thankful that they did it. But I figure I said, I'll just post it out there. I'm going in. I'm getting it taken care of. This is the, the big thing. This is pretty much it now. Hopefully I won't have anything wrong with me ever again until the final thing that goes wrong. Right? How many times do you take a car to a uh, no, garage? No. I'm not suggesting I'm not going to take care of those things. I'm just saying major things. Hopefully that'll be it for a little while. You know, to everyone's life, some rain must fall, if you ever heard that thing. So I posted on Facebook that it went in. I posted uh, the preparation while I'm waiting to pre-op. I posted post-op, and I posted myself, a picture of myself yesterday. And it's not, you know, most people experience the stent thing, placement, as an outpatient procedure. It wasn't until right before the operation, but I didn't talk about it in posting, that it was a little more serious, that it could take three times to break through the blockage. Yes. I mean, to have only one blockage, but that blockage being pretty big. It's like if I went and I called Roto-Rooter in and said, listen, you need to unclog my toilet. And they said, well, we're going to come in. Uh, we need three appointments to unclog that toilet. And I'm like, no, I want it cleared at one time. No, but I guess it's a little different when it comes to your heart. But they 
he ended up doing that. I guess he was um, over um, being overly pessimistic and sort of and so he can over deliver or whatever, something like that. I'm not suggesting that they're doing it on purpose, but a lot of times they have to give that disclaimer, you know, like they do with everything nowadays. You know, legal disclaimer. You could, you know, you could possibly die. You know, it could take a little longer. This is a difficult thing. We could poke through into your blah, 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 blah. You could do almost anything. Imagine every time you got into a taxi and go, listen, I'm bound to tell you this for liability, but there is a small possibility we will get into a head-on collision with a freight train. It's not zero. It could be 10 million to one, but it is a small thing, but it's my duty. Or we could be hit by a, a falling satellite or an alligator could wander on the road and we could crash. They're all possibilities. Are they likely? No. And most people don't think of that. I mean, that would be kind of crazy, right? If you thought of all possibilities every time you did something. I was, uh, you know, this past Sunday when we were parasailing, and I'm wrapping up with this story. I'm with my daughter. They bought me a paras. My my wife and daughter bought me a parasailing thing where you get behind a boat, they put you on a parachute. I think it, it, paragliding is something different, and parasailing is, I, th- I, whatever. It's a parachute behind a boat, right? And they put you in a harness. They tell you three things to do, and I'm thinking, well, what's the worst thing that happened? I, well, last year, someone actually died. It was very windy. They took someone out, and what they did is that I think they cut the tow rope because it was towing the, the parachute. The wind was blowing so hard that the, the current and the motor, the current was working against them, the wind was working against them, and so the person running it made a poor decision, and this happened in the Keys, to cut or disengage the tow rope and let him go. And what happened was the uh, parasailing rig and all blew into a bridge, um, killing at least one person, if not two people. It was horrible. It was horrible. But um, I know that's a little heavy duty, but I mean, it's just one of those things. There's regular things that happen. There's people that skateboard and they skateboard on under semi-trailers that are moving and they die. And there's other people that skateboard that fall on the grass. And most of the time it's falling on grass. And for parasailing, most of the time it's not super windy. You're not cut into, you're not near a bridge. So I'm there, I'm looking around there's not a lot of boats. There's not a lot of wind. We're over water. The water's at most eight feet deep. And, you know, I didn't see any big-ass sharks or anything like that. I and mean, first of all, the sharks don't really bother you that much. Uh, you know, you think I'm crazy when they say they don't really bother you. You always hear about the shark attacks, but there's a lot of people in the water. There's a lot of people in the water. So if you've got a lot of people in the water... Yeah, if you're walking around the street holding your arm out to people to bite, most people won't bite it. If you go like this and go, hey, hey, look, look, and hold your, I'm hitting my forearm. Look, bite my arm, bite my arm, bite my arm. Well, that's what you're doing in the water when you're kicking and you see your ass is flopping around, your pale ass is floating in the water and the shark's coming by. There's always sharks in the water. That's where they fucking live. 
And every so often, just like if you walk through a crowded city, there's some crazy fuck that's going to come up and bite you. That's the shark that attacks you. And sometimes a shark thinks it's something else. They think you're looking at a seal. Because, you know, sharks aren't always the smartest things either, right? Think of someone, think if you're a guy, I equated to being in a bar late at night and having a couple of drinks and thinking you met the most beautiful woman in the world. And then, you know, maybe several hours later, you find out you did not find the most beautiful woman in the world. It's some dude wearing a mop for a wig and an ugly sundress. And it's not uh, Charlize Theron. I'm not speaking from personal experience. You might be thinking that, but I'm not. So what I'm saying is, when I, I got up on the uh, parasailing and stuff, the worst thing that happened, we get detached and stuff, we float down and we're wearing vests. And my daughter's a great swimmer. And it's not really d- dangerous in Florida Bay. And we weren't near any bridges. It wasn't a strong wind. If a strong wind came around, that may be a different thing. I could think about other things. But these guys were pretty competent and it happened. Same thing with the surgery. Right? So I don't know how I got to this point. I was talking to all these people. So I'm posting all this stuff. And to get back at it, I'm getting back on track. I'm posting all this stuff about it. So I don't have to explain it to each person each time. What happened? And yesterday I woke up and they said, you know, be careful about it because we went through the veins and you're on blood thinners. And the weird thing about blood, I'm hoping that uh, I may not need them. I don't want to take blood thinners, but if the doctor suggests to take a blood thinner, I'm going to take a blood thinner. But the pain in the ass for it, like yesterday, I was going to one of my meetings I like to go to to help me not drink. And I shaved like an hour and a half before. I don't frequently cut myself when I'm shaving, but when you're on blood thinners, they put me on extra blood thinners. You don't clot that quick. And someone said, when I was leaving my meeting, and said, Jim, were you recently slashed by somebody? And they go, what? And I just had this copious amount of blood streaming down my neck. Pretty, pretty, pretty big. And uh, I went, oh, no, no, that's the blood thinner. And, but th- that's what I was worrying about, the, the, my wrist, where they went in to do the arthroscopic surgery, right? They, um, I thought it was amazing, though, that they would do it. They would go through the arms to get to the heart. When I was doing a distance, like from the groin to the heart, it's shorter because it's a straight shot from there. If they go to the wrist, they got to go up through the shoulder and down. But I guess there was a vein or something like that that took them to the place they wanted to be, and they liked, they'd rather go through the arms for some reason. I guess maybe... Um, it's easier, maybe it's easier with, I'm going to find out eventually why why it would be. I didn't really ask them why they were going through. I was kind of happy. I mean, who, who the hell really wants a sharp needle near the crotch? Right before the surgery, when they were preparing me, you know, they shaved my arms where they were going in and all that stuff. And then they put a little towel, not that little, over my crotch area, my crotchal region, as Will Ferrell would have said or something. And they shaved around. They didn't shave the exact area 
But, I mean, I did a little prepping myself. You know? I didn't want him to have to go into the deepest parts of the jungle with a little, you know, without a little help. And I I'm, I do apologize if you're eating right now. Hope you're not eating angel hair pasta or anything like that. But... Um, I did take care of that stuff. And, you know, when I was going through the post of that stuff on the Facebook, to make a long story short, here I am going around. I posted it. And what happens, because I have uh, a lot of people I connected with. I'm, I'm, you notice how I'm going to say, I got a lot of followers and I'm so popular. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not super popular. I'm not crazy popular. I'm somewhat popular, right? Because I've been doing it with a mind for years, you know, meeting people online, especially local people and stuff like that. And I met old friends. And I, I don't want to say their names, but they were guys I knew when I was in college, when it was in Navy ROTC. Great guys, great guys. And uh, there's fraternity brothers. There's high school friends. There's uh, girls girls I knew, old old um, old friends, friends of friends, acquaintances. And I remember them. I remember them. I didn't have to look real hard. I didn't have to think real hard. Usually the people that, you know, would send you a message, and it, it's kind of heartwarming, realize that you know them and you'll remember them. I mean, every so often with the podcast, obviously, I don't know who's listening right now, except unless you send me a message. And I do have uh, more than a couple people sending. I have people to send more than one message. So if you really want me to know who you are, do me a favor. Send an email. Send an email. Introduce yourself. I'll say hello back. And I do appreciate that. And uh, while I wrap up, I just want to say once again, if you want to support the show, buy some of the gear we have, the Keys Bartender gear. At the website, www.keysbartender.com. It's powered by Shopify. We've got all sorts of good stuff there. I'm trying to figure out how to get it on Facebook, too, because I think I have more people going to Facebook. Or maybe I should post the uh, I should post the link on Facebook or with the show. Uh, well, I'm not going to think about that right now. I'd like to thank you for listening. I will be back again, most likely Monday. I'll talk to you later. Bye.